You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. Well, I hope everyone was able to have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, whether you had to stay home or whether you were able to go see a little bit of family at least or I don't know, obviously it's a crazy year and the holiday season are just going to be still crazy. We're not out of this yet, but I do hope it was good. And I hope that you were able to relish in the grace and the blessings that God has provided and that you were able to answer with thanksgiving, even if there are things we're missing and things maybe we're not enjoying as much as we would like, like being together. But we still know that Jesus has provided us with hope, that Jesus has provided us with everything we could ask or imagine, and that in eternity, that home we're looking forward to, we won't be lacking anything. And right now we have all we need in Jesus himself. We're wrapping up our study on intersecting grace, how God meets us in this life, and how he meets us sometimes and surprises us. And sometimes, well, he meets us whenever we meet him, whenever we come to surrender to his lordship and to be buried into his blood and to be cleansed and risen in newness of life, fully forgiven and receiving the Holy Spirit in our moment of baptism. God meets us there. And every week when we come and we take communion, God meets us there. Whenever we focus on the body and the blood of our Lord and again are drawn into his table, into the chairs around his table with all the other saints, with all the others, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are the family of God in a beautiful picture. And this week, for our final look at intersecting grace, how God meets us, we're going to look at just the idea of the assembly of the worship service. And obviously that's connected to the Lord's Supper. And the worship and the Lord's Supper are connected to baptism. So all these things work together. They're not, they don't stand independent, even though I'm doing one sermon on one, one sermon on the other, one sermon on the next. No, it's, they are, they're woven together. And, and there's so many points of, well, intersection, so many points where they cross over. And again, in the Sunday morning experience, we get to interact sometimes with all three, even baptism. And baptism doesn't have to be done in the Sunday morning worship service at a building, not by any means, but it's still so closely knit and connected to the Lord's Supper and just the idea of being assembled being the church. The church means assembly. The called out, the gathered people. And to be the church, to be the assembly is a moment, whether it's Sunday or not even, whether we technically do the Lord's Supper per se, but any time that we are assembled to honor God, God meets us there. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 18. For you have not come to something that can be touched, to a burning fire and darkness and gloom and a whirlwind, and the blast of a trumpet and a voice uttering words such that those who heard begged to hear no more. For they could not bear what was commanded. 
If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. In fact, the scene was so terrifying that Moses said, I shudder with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the assembly and congregation of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of something better than Abel's does. Here in these verses, the writer of Hebrews is talking about Exodus chapters 19 and 20. The scene at Mount Sinai, how God came down on top of Mount Sinai and thunder and smoke and lightning and fire and this, this amazing scene where Israel really was meeting their God for the very first time. Now God performed signs and miracles in Egypt that they saw, but here it's as though they're in God's presence. And Moses goes up to be in God's presence on Mount Sinai and then to share the commandments that God gives him. But before that happens, God actually speaks. God speaks the Ten Commandments for all of them to hear, and they shudder with fear. They hear the voice of God and they tremble. It's too much to hear the God of the creator of the universe, the ultimate king of kings. That's too much. And so many of the prophets who had visions of meeting God had the same response. Isaiah, when he saw the throne room of God, said, woe is me, I'm a dead man. God, when he appears, is incredible and in some ways terrifying. And that's the image that Israel met God at Mount Sinai with. And God warned them, don't even touch the mountain and don't let an animal touch the mountain, for this is too holy for you. But here they actually meet God and they can't handle it because God has come down into their presence and it's more than they can handle. And Hebrews says, we've not come to that mountain. He says, you have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem and to myriads of angels, to the assembly, the church, and congregation of the firstborn, that's us, and all those who've gone on before us, who are enrolled in heaven and to God himself, you've come to the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. We have come. In talking about intersecting grace, we've looked at how God kind of meets us where we're at and surprises us in ways we don't expect. It comes in the moment of our conversion and our baptism where we put on Christ. And week after week as we come and share in the Lord's Supper, the idea of this assembly, again, that's right. <laughs> Don't try to separate out from the Lord's Supper because that's what we do when we come, when we assemble together. But in the assembly, we have this picture in Hebrews, at least, of it's not God coming to where we are. It's us going to where God is. 
when you come to worship. And in some ways, I'll even say when you turn on the TV to do what you can to worship in this crazy time that we're in. You look around and it might look like your living room or for those who are present in the auditorium. Well, I mean, here's the wall, the podium. There's see a little bit of the chair. If I turn to be able to see the baptistry. You know, we know where we're at. But Hebrews is asking, do you? Do you really know where you're at? Because you aren't here anymore. You aren't just sitting in pews in a building with a sign out front. You have been called up to the very throne of God and you are there together with all the other saints, all the other Christians from time immemorial who have lived and died and now worship around the stone. We're there too. And God is the focus. And our worship is not distinct and separate from the worship of angels or the worship of in the saints of old or even the heroes of faith, which Hebrews has just got done talking about in chapter 11, that we, we share in that and they share with us and we're called up into the same experience. And what we do on a Sunday morning isn't just in a little space here in this little town of Winsboro, Texas. We are engaging and being called up together with all of the people of all the churches, of all those who are faithful to Christ and follow his commands and give and serve him and love him and receive his grace. All of us, whom God is saved, are standing at his throne together, singing, praising honoring, bowing down, and at the table of his banquet, celebrating him as our King and our Lord and our Savior. Nope. No, use Wizard of Oz language. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in East Texas anymore. When every single time we gather together as the people of God in order to honor God and worship God and engage God. Yeah, God comes to us where two or more gathered in my name. There I am also, but also he's gathering us together with him. Beautiful moment. Whenever we come to church in that sense, we're coming to the throne room of God. We are participating in something so much bigger than what's going on in 2020 in the United States of America. Now that there's something eternal happening whenever we gather, because we're participating in the eternal and actually in that moment being called up into the eternal. And that's why I heard many times I was going up in prayers and you know, at the beginning of the worship service and maybe at the Lord's Supper, now let us leave the thoughts and carries and worries of the world at the door. And sometimes, I'm like, how do you do that? Because <laughs> uh, those thoughts, worries, and cares seem to follow me in, and it's hard to block them out of my mind. But at the same time, it is kind of what we do. We do leave those thoughts and cares and worries at the door because we leave everything at the door because when we walk through that door, when we engage with the united assembly 
of Christians in this moment, in this little town, in this little building. Because in the grand scheme of things, it is just a little building. But oh, we cross that threshold and suddenly we're in the throne room of God. Suddenly we are engaging with all those others who've been called into his throne room. And this picture that Hebrews reinforces is you don't have to be afraid. They were afraid at the mountain, but you don't have to be afraid because you are in the real place with the real God and Father and Savior and Lord and Spirit who love you and who invite you into their presence. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus gives us a challenging statement. But I tell you the truth. So he's emphasizing, saying this is important. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, your translation might say your benefit, that I am going away. It is better that I am going away, for if I do not go away, the advocate, talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And the, the challenging part of this verse is, why can't we have both? Jesus, why did you really have to go back up? Why can't you stay and the Holy Spirit stay? And to some extent, that's a mystery of which I do not fully grasp. But I have an idea. And it's connected to this idea of, again, being called up to where God is. You see, in Jesus, in the very essence of what we would call the Christmas story, God came to earth. God came to us and intersected history and blew it wide open where Jew and Gentile and all others are now invited into this new kingdom being heralded in through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so God has already come down to this earth but he went back up, and what really the Holy Spirit does, I believe, is it brings us up. That the Holy Spirit, that, that he inside of us, that he in our hearts, he draws us into the very presence of God. He connects us to God. That, yeah, Jesus showed us what a connection to God looks like and showed it to us in a very personal and powerful way, modeling exactly what abiding with God is all about. But he said, the Holy Spirit's better for you. The Holy Spirit's better. Well, how? Well, not as in the Holy Spirit's better than Jesus, as if you could quantify one over the other. No. But the Holy Spirit is better for our experience because it's not just about seeing Jesus model what being in the presence of God looks like. The Holy Spirit actually brings us into the presence of God. Where Jesus is right now ascended at the th right hand of the throne of God and God himself, the Father. So again, this intersection idea has to do with all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, like we talked about in baptism, and in the moment of the assembly, being gathered together with the people of God on the true Mount Zion and God's very presence. 
It's about the Spirit calling us up into the presence of the Father and the Son. And your response might be this morning, well, Colby, that sounds nice. Sure, it's a great picture, but I don't feel like it. Sitting here watching you on camera, yeah, I mean, it's all right, but it's hardly the experience of being around the throne of God. I say, yeah. And depending on the the atmosphere, just the, the, the vibe, I guess, if you'd say, of any given Sunday that we're gathering together to worship, that uh, sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel like we're in the presence of God. Sometimes the music drags, and people are distracted, or the kids are noisy, or you name it. And sometimes my heart's just in a funk. And uh, KT and I have talked about this the other day, and I've talked to other people too, that you know, sometimes it's just a burning question. People are saying, well, I just don't feel them. I say, if you can say, if I just, I just don't feel them, you're not alone. Goodness, there are many days I don't feel them either. I wish I did. And I believe that that's a sign that my heart's got more work to do. But uh, it shouldn't be a shocker. Matter of fact, you're just being honest if you're willing to say it out loud. Sometimes I don't feel them. Sometimes I don't feel the moment. Sometimes I come to church and I'm usually glad I did when it's all said and done because the people I saw and the scriptures and the message and all that. And, but it wasn't quite just blow your mind, knock your socks off kinds of stuff. I say, yeah, it's not. Many times it's not. Hopefully sometimes it is. And hopefully you'll find and God will intersect in ways that you can see Him. But as I've talked about baptism, the Lord's Supper, and now the assembly, it's about a promise. And I'll say that just because you didn't fully appreciate the moment, or my Colby Clapp, that I didn't fully appreciate the moment, just because I didn't feel it or engage in it, doesn't mean God didn't enjoy it. I used to go to my grandmother Jane's house, Grandma Jane, uh, for a week during the summer. And me and my older brother, we'd often go the same week, or sometimes we'd kind of pick a week each, and we'd get to spend a whole week with Grandma. And uh, Grandma Jane was kind of the, the grandma. I mean, we have generally two sets of grandparents. And you can't help most people I know, myself included, a little bit closer to one than the other. Maybe a lot closer to one than the other. That you have just that, well, that's Grandma. Yeah, my, I have another grandmother and a grandfather, and I love them, and they love me, and we get along well, but, you know, that's Grandma. That's the one who I know is just always there for me. There's, that's the one that I know just loves me unconditionally. There's the one that uh, has just shown me a time and time again their love and their care and their concern and their open ear to listen. And so I'd go and visit Grandma. 
And especially when I was in junior high and maybe early high school, you know, I am I am a Nintendo I'm of the Nintendo generation. I grew up with Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and so on. Video games. And so wicked grandmas would pack up the Nintendo and take it with us. And I would use it as my time whenever I could play video games unchecked. Because now mom and dad would only let me play a certain amount before they made me turn it off. But grandma, she would let me play as much as I want to. And uh, I'm pretty sure I fried some brain cells staying up super late at night and then playing them all day. And, uh, and grandma would be sitting at the kitchen table Maybe reading the newspaper, uh, maybe fixing breakfast, lunch, or dinner, but watching me, enjoying my presence. And the sad part is, I wasn't enjoying hers. Uh, that uh, I wasn't really relishing in the moment. I could have been sitting and talking with her more, I could have been sitting and playing card games with her more listening to her stories, getting her to teach me some things that I didn't know that she did. Uh, my grandmother was actually a welder. <laughs> now, when I knew her, when she was my grandma, she had not maintained that skill, but in World War II, she welded the guns on the battleships down in the Houston shipyards. She wasn't Rosie the, Rosie the Riveter, she was Jane the Welder. And not that she would have taught me that skill, again, she had not used it in a long time and didn't have any of the equipment or anything, but the skills she had. And but when I was in, I was a junior high boy, 12, 13 years old, and you know, watching TV, playing video games. My summer break, that's all I wanted to do or care about. And I think about how much I missed. And I wasn't appreciating being there at my grandma's house with her. And really, had you not told me I was in her house, I probably wouldn't even notice because all I could see was the TV, that screen in front of me. But my grandma was there. And she was watching me. And she was even taking joy in me doing my silly thing, playing my video games, because she loved having me in her house. And... Uh, I think about you know, how much we might experience or feel the presence of God. Well, <laughs> that has a lot to do with what we're focused on. With the screen we might have in the front of our face. Or the job, or the hobby, or the stress, or you name it. All the while God's back watching us. And he's loving us and he's taking joy in the fact that we're there, especially again as we're gathered together in worship as the people of God coming before his throne. And hopefully we have left all the cares and worries and concerns and entertainment and distractions behind. Sometimes we don't. And that's often why I think we don't feel it. We, we don't engage where the other people around us maybe are bringing theirs in and it's all kind of piling up. Obstacles and distractions. God's there. And He is loving us and wanting to engage with us. And He is intersecting us and saying and promising He will be there. Because ultimately we're in His house whenever we're worshiping.
We're around his throne. We've been called up to the heavenly realms. We uh, participate in a taste of our eternity here and now in the worship. And let's not miss it because we're distracted. And let's also realize that, you know, many of the moments I was sitting with my grandma, maybe playing cards, playing Uno or Skip Bow or Kings on the Corner or Jen or whatever the case was. She loved to play cards. That uh, they weren't just amazing moments in and of themselves. But looking back, I sure wish I could do it. I could do them again. My grandma died many years ago, uh, and you know it's not until you miss it that you really appreciate it. And if any years taught us that about worship, it should be twenty twenty. That first Sunday we came back, oh, it felt so good because we'd been missing it, and and I came back and. And I've talked to Lisa about this, about how, you know, that in that first month, it was just amazing, amazing for me. And I think so many of us felt that it was amazing. And now maybe if we've been coming back to worship regularly and it feels normal again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It should be normal because we should be doing it often. But... Whenever you miss it, you realize how much was going on that you didn't see. And that's what the author of Hebrews is trying to tell us. Don't you see? Open your eyes and see what, where you are really at. And take hold of that promise. And let it fill you up. And let it, and, and let it help you tap into the experience an experience that you won't have equally every single time, and sometimes you'll feel distant, God will feel distant, because life ebb and flows, and sometimes we even wonder, uh, we, we begin to doubt. Uh, is there anything going on at all? And the author of Hebrews says, oh yeah, there is. Don't forget, you aren't at a mountain that you can't touch. That, that, that there's not a separation between you and God. You've been brought together through Christ. And you've not, and God, it's not just that Christ came down, it's the Holy Spirit has brought you up. And now you worship in the heavenly realms. Now you begin your eternity now. Every Sunday or other times that we're gathered as the people of God that Every time, it's like we're starting our eternity now. 